You are listening to the Photo Bomb podcast with the world's greatest photographers, Boo Ray and Gary. Welcome to the Photo Bomb podcast. My name is Boo Ray Perry, and joining me as always is Gary Hughes. Welcome to Baby Watch 2017. We are, in fact, under Baby Watch. Baby Watch. This is DEFCON 4 on Baby Watch. Wait, which one's the worst DEFCON? I thought one was the worst one. Uh, uh, no, is it, Def- is it one? I thought it was five. I think it goes backwards, right? Like DEFCON, now I have to... No, you're right. I think you're, I think you're right. So we would be at DEFCON 2. We're at DEFCON 2, pretty much, right, right. now. Yeah. And the, since the tech, what is today? Sunday, so the due date was Friday. Okay. So we're two days now past the due date. And, and just waiting to see if it just happens. Just, just waiting. Yep, they tell you that they they tell you to walk. A lot of walking. The uh, the the admitting nurse at any of the uh, the labor and delivery units at those hospitals, they're pretty much. I think they recruit them them out of the NHL as they they recruit all the retired goalies. All right, because <laughs> they're just trying to keep you out. They're like, look, we got so many beds, and this could literally take days. We're not letting you in here right now until something starts coming out of you. You're not getting in here, so that's that's how they pretty much roll. I imagine that that is actually like ninety percent of what they do is just try to keep people from coming to the hospital until that that baby needs to be on the way. No, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you can imagine some women. I mean, technically, from the time the contractions start, which was two days, three days ago, like that's you know that's your te- she's technically been in labor for three days. So you really got to wait until you're in like the last bit of labor before they actually let you. Is in she the in hospital. pain? Is she experiencing discomfort? Yeah, well, discomfort for sure. No, the contractions is from at least in this case, I'm sure everybody's different. Aren't really like that crippling evil kind yet. Like that's when you get towards the end. The contractions are just basically like if you were to have your abs kind of involuntarily right. contract for about five minutes yeah that's that's pretty much that's pretty much it but it gets it gets real real painful uh later on real 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 painful from from what i hear from what i hear by the way worst batman villain ever was contractions i don't know if you remember i think it was <laughs> 1973 the uh, series with contractions the crippling evil contractions yes but he, but, but he was he was more of a grammar based villain right like he yeah. was more about putting putting two words into one contractions. oh yes, that was <laughs> yeah Kind of a different kind of contraction. And, and his evil sidekick, Conjunction. <laughs> <laughs> Whose function, we never could understand. And their, and their souped-up vehicle, the present participle. There you and go, that was- the present participle. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're enjoying ourselves way too much. Off to a great start. Uh, really <laughs> so, killing it. So, like, oh, yeah. I have to laugh, though. Um, a few days ago, you created a, a little Facebook uh, instant messenger group, right? And it, you, I suppose you did several of these or whatever. And 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 I loved that you 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 so many people in the group, and and you said this is just a quick instant messenger group, I, so I can send the announcement out to to a bunch of people who can then spread it to other people for me, so that I won't have to constantly be interacting with Facebook as this is going on. And I saw that, and I was like, okay. And then I had to laugh because of the people who'd be like, oh, this is great. Oh, that, the people who instantly started interacting with you on the thing that you were creating so that you wouldn't have to interact so with people. I, in, in Facebook Messenger, right, like you can create groups of people, which everybody hates to be in these groups. Right. Because, you, you know, your phone just never stops blowing up. It's like, it's like, create, like being on a reply all email. 
Right. I, yeah, exactly. I cr- or or a text messaging multiple person conversation. So right. I created one group for um, family, immediate family, and some extended, and then one group for close friends who we want to notify. And um, the the family one will probably be more, um, I guess, medically specific. <laughs> like I don't know how to. I don't know why I made two different ones. I just did. I figured there might be something that we would want to tell family that we might sure. not necessarily want to just tell friends. Why not? Anyway, so. Yeah, it, it, I put in the first couple of sentences, it was like, you don't need to respond to this. This is just so I can let as many people, important people know as possible. We're on our way to the hospital or the baby's safe because we're not going to post anything publicly on Facebook until the baby's safe and with us and every and all that stuff is taken care of. And, and that's probably going to be a few days. And so the people that are more concerned will get information. And immediately people start throwing up unicorn stickers and yeah. just just going to town. And it, like I mean it's, it's capitalized, it's got little asterisks. It's like you do not need to respond to this and and people just respond anyway. And now people are checking in with it as of this morning like anybody heard anything? Like this isn't a social club. No. A lot of the people in this group don't even know any of the other no. people in this group. And no, it, and also it's a it goes to everyone. No one has heard anything. That you haven't heard. That's the whole point of this group. You understand? That's that right. Gary will post in this group. Everyone will get that information instantly at the same I time. Know. There's know. no secret information out there that we're not aware right. of. People are just excited. It's happening. I um, get it with emails all the time when I email a client and I'll have a detailed, here's where we're meeting. Here's what time we're meeting. Here's uh, what you should, Here's everything you need to know. And then the first email back will be, what time? Yeah, and exactly. I, it's right, right there. You see, I gave you where we're meeting, what time we're meeting, how to get there. Here's a map. How do you there's get there? almost there's almost nothing that irritates me as badly as when somebody doesn't read what you send them. Yes, and then they pepper you with questions, and so every time that happens with a client or with a friend, I go, "It's all in the documentation." Somebody will go to our website, look at our pictures, which, by the way, are on the same page as the pricing and information. Fill out a contact form. We will email them back to give them dates for possible sessions, and and then they'll go, "Great, what are your packages?" And it's lit- literally just send them back a link to the website. It's like, oh, they were on the website. They're all right here. And it's hard for people to not be offended by that. It's like, did you want me to just type them out for you? Did you want me to call you and read you the price list over the phone? Like, do you want me? How some people just want to be spoon fed information. Yes. And I would just rather rather just not have their business. I would just rather them go away. Like, got, well, <laughs> and welcome to 2017. You know, if you want some, you want, I want a bunch of information. Great. Here's a link to where it is on my website, or here's a PDF that contains it. But I'm not going to text you a wall of text with all this information. Right. We had a uh, Savannah, who's our studio manager, just recently have to create a a 12 page PDF document to teach people how to use our gallery system, which, by the way, is Pixie Set, with not a sponsor of the show, just what we use. Um, and they, um, it's the easiest system to use on the planet. It's literally. One click everything. There's even like one of those little, almost like the Windows paperclip guy, Clippy. That'll, I mean, it like it, it pops up with pictures and shows you how to do everything. It'll guide you through it. It'll give you a tour. And people are still like, "How do I buy a picture? How do I? How do I? How do I pay for my thing? How do I?" And, and just so she, I mean, people are that lazy. They won't spend two minutes poking around. They'll just email us. And so we've actually decided this uh, week, Savannah and I are going to get together and. We're going to create instructional videos for everything where there's a bottleneck in our business. All of the areas, let's say there are four or five different areas that we have people commonly having problems, like 
how to make sure you use the payment system and how to log in and use the gallery system or you know stuff like that. So we've created uh, Pinterest galleries for clothing ideas and different looks in the studio. We've, we're creating videos. So we're just basically trying to make it so that we can give people great information so we don't have to spend a ton of time answering the questions that we always have to answer. But I have a prediction that this will eliminate 50% of the people. That <laughs> right, but not but not all of them. <laughs> no, because they're always just going to be a couple of slow, stupid, dum-dums, lazy buttheads that just want you to spoon-feed them the most you know, basic information as possible. One, so, of the things, uh, one of the things I say, I'm constantly saying to my daughter, Samantha, is wouldn't it be great if there was some sort of device that you had in your hand that you could use to find the answer to this question that you're posing to me? Because that I paid for because for you she, every yes, month? Because she yeah. does it to me all the time. We're, we're, I'm driving the car. Dad, where's Opalaka? Wouldn't it be great if there was some sort of device that you had in your hand where you could look up where Opalaka is instead of asking me while I'm driving like See, I'm supposed would, to just know off the top of my head where Opalaka is? I, I think you would relish in the opportunity to pontificate to your children your wealth of knowledge. But you do no, know a lot yes, of odd but things. They don't ask, but they don't ask me the stuff like that. The interesting stuff, they ask me stuff like, where's Opalaka? Well, I don't like, know. Da- but Dad, how phone. many number one hits did Hall & Oates have in 1980? Yeah, I can tell you that sort of information. <laughs> Biggest selling duo of all time, Hall & Oates. <laughs> Bure knows that. That's right. Who are the original members of the Eagles? The original members? Actually, I don't. Yeah. I always forget the complete original membership lineup because they had that one guy that played banjo that uh, was only in it for like the first three albums, and I forget his name a lot. Well, you know, you can't win them all. I can tell you the final lineup, but I can't tell you the, the first lineup because they lost two people and added two people. They added Joe Walsh, and then they added Timothy B. Smith. Rest in peace. There you go. Who? No, they, oh, Tim, neither one of them are dead? <laughs> oh, well, you know. <laughs> Just in case, it's been a rough. It's been a rough couple of months. Timothy B. Smith. You know, Timothy B. Smith, by the way, after the Eagles broke up, because he was only there for one album, and then he sang like backup on everybody's albums, like um, Toto Four, the song Africa. That's Timothy B. Smith singing backup on Africa, singing all the high notes on Africa. So uh, he's got all that entertainment money, some of those royalties, and uh, he could still go to uh, Starbucks in uh, anywhere in the world, and nobody would ever know who the heck he was. Right. Well, except he's got that whole that long, long straight hair, like '70s long straight hair. They just never decided to go ahead and update that hairstyle. Those people, like the Greg, another Allman reason hair. why nobody's going to talk to him in a Starbucks. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the guys who stick with the really long, straight, parted down the middle kind of look, way past the '70s. I find that I find that fascinating. They're just ball. They're all in, man. Doubling down. Why not? If you're going to do it, just go for it. The best part about Timothy B. Smith being in the Eagles, and boy, we're off topic, is that he came to the Eagles from uh, Poco, where uh, Randy Miser had been in Poco, and he left Poco to go to the Eagles, and Timothy B. Smith took his place in Poco. And then when Meisner left the Eagles, he left Poco and took Meisner's place in the Eagles. So his entire career was replacing Randy Meisner. <laughs> his entire career was replacing that guy. And when he got inducted into the Hall of Fame, he thanked him for it. Thank you, Randy Meisner, for quitting jobs so that I could get I could take your place. Hey, you know I'll do that. Yeah, Absolutely. right. Okay, okay. So we've got some things to talk about this weekend. We've got a bunch. I've got a couple of good uh, topics. Stuff in the uh, news and stuff like that. Well, I will let you kick it off since I have wandered down the Eagles Highway. No, no, man, you can go for it. I'm fine. Uh, so um, we had a thing this uh, week. A friend of ours, uh, Christine Newton, um, on Facebook. Had someone steal her photograph and use it for advertising, and we see this from time to time. It's happened to me. It's happened to you, I'm sure. Yeah, uh huh, uh huh. Nothing huge, I, but it has happened. I don't understand how a person who is a photographer 
cannot get that taking someone else's picture and using it to advertise their business is wrong. So wait, so this is a photographer took another yes. photographer. Yes, this is yeah, that. right. This this is a photographer who's like I'm, you know, I'm offering this kind of session and then there's a picture of someone else's photograph. You know, with their I'm, I'm I'm this is what we're doing. We're doing families and dog sessions this Saturday and there's a picture of a family with a dog and you didn't take that picture. Someone else took it. You grabbed it off the web somewhere. And I don't understand how how any photographer can think that's okay because I can't imagine that they would think it was okay if someone did it to them. You know, I mean, there's like, there's a whole disconnect there. I can understand when the guy who owns a, a you know, who owns a, a, a roofing Pest control company. Yeah, yeah, a, you know, a roofing company take your picture because he doesn't understand. But if you're an actual photographer, how is it that you can turn off that part of your brain? Or I just don't get that, right? Yeah, I, I think that the. If I had to guess, I'm going to throw this out there. The criminal mind, uh, Gary. The, the criminal mind. <laughs> the criminal mind is hard to understand, Bure. Um, and as we all know, it's it's almost always the web designer. And the web yeah, designer. Oh, yes, it's always the web designer. It's always. Oh, I bet you that in this case, it was definitely the web designer. And you know, web designers. And the criminal mind and the criminal are mind. hard to understand. Well, the rumor I heard was that one of the defenses was was that. People will say they're they're using your work, someone else's work, because they can't do that. And then the photographer will defend that and say, "No, no, my clients love my work. Great. Why don't you use your work to advertise yeah. your work? If your work is so good, or your clients, I, I we, don't. We've relaunched product lines all the time. We've launched new products, and what we'll typically do is we'll bring people in, yes, and and create images to market with. And that's and that's, that's the gist what we of it, do right? for a living. That's the gist of it, right there. They're like, you know what? We need to do a special. Let's do a special where everybody brings their dog in. That's great. Well. I don't want to go and contact a friend with a dog and schedule a shoot and do all that stuff to get the pictures to market with. So I'll just grab a picture of someone with a dog off the internet and use that to market with. And then I'll have dog pictures after I do the session. And That's that a seems like a good idea, to, but it's not a good idea. Your it's not a good idea because not only is it, not only is it just straight up wrong, but like you said, now your clients are maybe expecting something that looks like that. And how many times does a client come in and they ask for, <sighs> I want that prop. I want that background. I want yes. that lighting. And then, and you're not going to be able to do it the same, or not going to have that thing. And so, you know, you're just setting yourself up on a very just. Let's just get rid of the whole illegal stealing of images thing aside. You're setting your clients up to be disappointed because you won't be able to provide them the thing that was in the picture that they want that they booked you for in the first place. Yeah, you don't ever want to be in a position when someone says, "Can you do this thing I saw on your website?" And you go, "Oh, I, I didn't do that. That wasn't my picture." Immediately, that's got to be for a, for a client. That's going to be like. What? Well, no. There's, there's probably most people go. Oh, okay, that's fine. Can you just give me something like that, yeah. but worse? <laughs> yeah, that's. But I don't understand how a photographer can think that it's okay. It's not, and that photographer is either a complete idiot or a complete scumbag. Either way, you know, <laughs> I'm going to vote scumbag. That's fine. Or a scum idiot. Uh, or, or, or a scum idiot. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, by the way, just if you're gonna. If you're going to use an image that's not yours, you cannot break the law very easily by just spending $8 on iStock photo yes. and market with that. And that's perfectly legal. I don't think it's ethical, but it's legal. Right. And then you won't be stealing anything. So just it, for those of you out there who are like, hey, I'm going to start a campaign for Christmas photos, um, just go to get, get some of a stock website. I mean, come on. Like, right. it's not 
not that big. A, it's not hard. It's the, we have the internet, folks. We right. have the internet out there. Yeah, and it's, and it's so cheap. It's unbelievably cheap. I know. Talk to the stock photographers. They'll tell you how cheap it is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that thing is, uh, we have, I have a, fr- a friend of mine who's a friend to many photographers who passed away recently um, from cancer. He's a great man, great photographer. Uh, his name is Bill Bachman. Really great dude, and um, it, it, we were real sad that he passed away. Um, but he made his living in stock photography way back through like the seventies and the eighties, and he made a ton of money. He would how you would have one image that would that would make like five hundred thousand dollars just because it would get bought by so many publications. But this was in a film age with stock agencies, and there weren't ten million photographers contributing to stock websites. Right. So it's definitely you can make a good side hustle doing it, but I don't think it's that profitable anymore because there's so much of it that it's gotten really cheap. On the on the up on the, there's a the ramifications of that are that if you're opening a dental practice and you need images for your website, you don't necessarily need to hire a professional photographer. You can save money and get great images off of a stock website for maybe spend a hundred bucks and get enough images for your whole website. And I tell you what else so, is hurting it is the amateurs. I read an article not too long ago about how a lot of the stock websites are getting a lot of work from amateurs, and they and they interviewed a a, a woman who was just a stay at home mom and had a camera, and she was like, "Oh, I take pictures of my kids playing with bubbles and stuff all the time, and then I just upload them to the stock website for fun, and then hey, and you never know, every once in a while I'll get a little check for twenty dollars or a hundred dollars. I'm like, wow, that's great. And I'm thinking you are killing the stock photographers. You're killing me. <laughs> You're killing them. You're killing You're them. Killing them. You know, because so many of the pictures that you see now that are used in advertising are not professional grade you know lighting type stuff it's kids playing with bubbles in a yard it's you know out of focus it looks like it was shot in the 70s that that's a look is popular now that instagrammy taken with a cell phone kind of look is popular now so anyone can do it yeah well i just want to um show you something else on a totally different topic are you ready i am ready look what i got what are we looking at here uh, uh, oh, hey, that's a tablet. Gary is showing me a Wacom. Hey, I got a pen tablet. A pen tablet. Oh, you are stepping into the new century, my friend. Gary, the only person I know on the, in the universe who's a professional photographer and doesn't use a tablet. Now, I, I, I don't retouch with a tablet. I, I bought one. I haven't even plugged it in yet. Yes, I know. So it's uh, still in the box. It's still in the box. I got a bunch of stuff used from a, a photographer friend, a mutual friend of ours who was selling a bunch of stuff. And so I, uh, I bought... Uh, Bought a few things. I got a nice bundle. She did me a nice deal. And so, you know, I, I think I'd grab it. It's it's one of the Hueyons. It's called a Hueyon, which is a uh, kind of a knockoff competitor to the, to the Wacom tablet. But uh, apparently, this one that I have, which is comparable to the $300 Wacom tablet, this one goes new for about $90, bucks, wow. like $99, wow. and has most of the same features. So I'm going to give it a whirl and see how it goes. Um, not really sure, but I'm I'm doing all kinds of things I never thought I'd do. You know what else I did this week is um I bought uh, Portrait Professional. Really? Yeah, I did. Now, if you don't know what Portrait Professional is, this is a uh, semi-automated retouching program for retouching faces. So you put a photo in, it analyzes the face, it marks out where the eyes, eyebrows, nose, chin, lips, all that stuff are, and it gives you incredibly powerful controls to retouch create presets and to automate your retouching um and it will now if you buy the pro version uh which is 250 dollars, i think it's 120 it was on a black friday sale or something and it will batch retouch i was just about to say i guarantee you you bought it because it's got batch functions doesn't it yes so now instead of sending 200 money instead of sending 250 headshots off to retouch up 
That's correct. You run them through here. Have you well, tried I'm, it yet? Have you, have you? Have you? I've been I've been playing with it, and it will. There are certain things that I like about it, and certain things that I don't. There's some really neat features, like you can automatically drop in different shapes and types of catch lights, which I really like. Oh, hey. Oh, yeah. Like you can have, a, if you've got something that you need to sparkle up the eyes a little bit, it's got window catch lights, small windows, large windows, different, and it uh, will put them right in place. You can change colors of eyes really easily. You can um, increase the color of makeup. Uh, there's, it gives you a lot of crazy, there's so many things you can control inside of it. And most of the automated settings, the presets that it comes with are way too much, way over yeah, the top. Yeah, That's, that the was my that, experience with it. Rather than do straight up blemish removal, you know, spot retouching, it really just kind of blanket softens skin. Um, and so, if you go in there and you tweak it, you could probably, for most people, you could probably. If I was in a volume setting, which is, you know, a lot of what I do, volume headshots, it would do a really. You could set it to do a really nice basic cleanup that brightens the eyes, reduces dark circles on the eyes, reduces the shine on the skin. And, uh, you know, and, and you could set it up to do that really easy, like a real basic, simple touch-up. And it will batch. Um, it did about four images per second, like saving them and retouching them in the batch. Wow. I mean, it was crazy fast. And the retouching, it's not as good as if I did it myself. But in a high-volume situation, for example, doing headshots at a convention or something, right. I could deliver a, a cleaned-up version of the image that looks a lot better than out of camera as far as how your average person walks around um, in a, with very minimal effort if you made the right presets. But it does like facial contouring. You can change the color and texture of hair. I mean, it does a lot of crazy stuff in there, but just some of the basic tweaks are really what I'm, what I'm looking for. If I use it successfully on one volume headshot job, it's paid for itself like you know, five right. times over already. Sure. So... Um, I'm still playing with it. I'm skeptical of some of it. I think that it's very easy to go way too far because I don't like it to look fake. But uh, I dig it so far. Well, like, keep I us updated. Keep us it. updated on you know while you're working it out because I'm I'll be curious to see if you if you get to the point where you can just plug 200 headshots in, hit a button, and they all look better, at least as good as they would be if you sent them off and paid two bucks a head to have them done or whatever you have to pay. Well, right. That's the thing is because even with retouch up, the I mean they don't do it. It's not as good as if I did it myself, obviously, right. but it's a lot less time and a lot less money. And we we outline that in our volume jobs with clients is that they get like a quick basic retouch that's not our full professional hand retouching. And that's what we charge for. So we charge a lower amount and they know what to expect. But um, And, and they do a great job. But this, the turnaround time, if you send a couple of hundred headshots, is still a day or two. Right. Uh, so if I could, if I could sit there and as we're shooting them, be outputting them at fifty headshots at a time, run them through the machine, and then I can deliver retouched images to the client the same day. That would be something that I could also upsell, which would be real cool. So um, I don't think I'd use it on individual clients who pay extra to come into the studio, but for volume, I'd be I'd be fairly comfortable using it for a real basic light retouch up on site. I think it'd be real cool. I'm excited for you. I don't have any use for it, but I like the idea of it because I love anything that's efficient. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a, yeah. Uh, it, it's uh, it's efficiency porn. That's yeah. Basically, what it is. Yeah. I'm for that. So I was looking at a, a camera today online, and oh, oh let me say this too. I've been because it's that time of year now. I'm looking at all of the uh, the top ten tech gifts, best camera gadgets, all this kind of stuff. Because I'm looking for stuff for me for Christmas. Because everybody wants to know what should we get you for Christmas, and I don't yes. really want anything. 
So I'm always like, uh, last night I was so excited because I was like, oh, uh, a polarizing filter for my Fuji little camera. Uh, that's 50 bucks. Get me that. Thinking to myself, I'll probably never use it, but it's an easy $50 gift somebody can get me. So I was excited to discover that. Um, and one of the things you, I'm still seeing, which still gets me, is that, um, oh, here's a tiny printer that will print off a little, uh, like, 3 by 5 picture from your phone anywhere. So you can print these things anywhere. And these are just stupid, aren't they? I mean, I don't know. You know, or, or, or the cameras that they still, oh, we have the camera that takes the instant picture and you shake it like a Polaroid and oh, and now you've got, they're just stupid. I have the, uh, I have the, the, the Fuji Instax. And when do you use it? Why do you use it? Um, I've used it, I use it periodically. It's a lot of fun. It's a good novelty. I don't know that it would be a regular, but it is a cool thing to have with you. For example, um, uh, aforementioned photographer Bill Bachman, who we just spoke about, would, does all the did all these traveling expeditions, and he would always get photographs of these incredible subjects, like out in these remote villages of or or in the streets of Paris or wherever. And so he would he took a little uh, iPad with him and got a model release from everybody he ever photographed. But he also had a little Polaroid. And he told me one time that if you take a little Polaroid and you snap a picture of somebody and give it to them, you, you know, like, they're, even if it's your somewhere doesn't have a computer or whatever, it's just a really easy way to give them a, something right then and there that they can take with them. Um, but I have um, it's I such, have it's a... It's such a detailed thing. I mean, like, the, regu- the regular person, you just know, I've got a phone. I can take it with my phone and send it to you. <laughs> it's cool if you like scrapbooking. It's a lot of fun. Um, there, there, It's a novelty. It's pretty quaint. The quality of the pictures obviously isn't there, but exactly. it's very it's very immediately gratifying to watch that chemistry work in person. It's pretty cool. I have about a hundred of them from my wedding, which is really fun. And like my whole wedding weekend, we took a bunch of those, and I have a whole little box, just like a little box that we look through from time to time. That's got all of them in there. It's pretty neat. So, like, it's a novelty. It's definitely not anything that you would use efficiently regularly it's you know but it, i think they're fun and it makes it makes a good gift it's good for kids to play with to learn about photography right you know but anybody like us i just can't imagine why if i'm going to see my friends at a convention or something why i would want to carry around this little tiny printer with me uh you could make it oh the little printer thing i don't know it depends do you like scrapbooking do you are, no, i know a lot no. i don't know no, no one. I mean, I, I take that back. My wife was a big scrapbooker for the longest time, but now she's not so much anymore because she's married to a photographer who has access to digital scrapbooking and creating custom albums that are incredible. You know what, Ray? The good part about America is you don't have to have one. I don't have to have one, but I just don't. Nope. I don't understand that. I, I think it's one of those things that you go, "Oh, how cool!" and you buy it and use it once, and then you never use it again. I I agree. Yeah, I think that's, that's what. That's what I, I guess. That's really what I'm saying. <laughs> That's pretty – like you'd buy it, you'd play with it intensely for like half a day and then you'd probably – like, honey, look how cool this is and then you'd never yeah, never touch right. it again. Yeah. Speaking of, there's another thing. Have you seen this light camera, the L16 camera that has 10 lenses on it? Tell me about it. Okay. So it's a camera that's a little bit bigger than a smartphone and it's got – it looks like a, like the face of a fly or something. The front of it has 10 lenses on it. And there are different focal lengths, and there and uh, the, and different uh, aperture settings, and all kinds of stuff. So when you take a picture with this thing, it takes ten. It uses all the lenses, and then it uses software to take all those different images and combine them to make your final image. So mm-hmm. what this does for you is it enables you using their software to do things like you can adjust the depth of field uh, after the fact which uh, the Lytros family uh, camera uh, did that a little bit. You can adjust the depth of field after the fact. Um, you can adjust the focal length after the fact. Um, so that's that's kind of cool, right? 
But I was looking at it and they, they're like, so let's compare it to some other cameras on the website, on their website. And they compared it to a 5D Mark III and they compared it to some Fuji camera. And I didn't think the comparisons were very good. I was like, they were like, oh, look, this is great. And I'm like, no, it's not. You're comparing it to these other pro cameras and it's not standing up to them, which I guess it's not supposed to. It's supposed to be a camera that goes in your pocket. But even still, I did, they just, and it's $2,000. Yeah, that's the thing is uh, – So I can't, I, I can't I figure out who it's for. Technology. Who's it for? I, uh, I, I tell you who it's for. It's for the person with $2,000 and, and, and uh, who, who doesn't care about losing $2,000. Because, because think about it for a second. The only thing that it does that, uh, that other cameras can't do is it makes it, I guess, a little bit easier because you don't have to worry about your focus point so much. You don't have to you – know, to get a shallow depth of field. But – isn't it that the people who are the ones who are going to care about things like bokeh and focal length and stuff like that, those are also people who are interested in actually learning a little bit about how to do that with a normal camera and don't this need a device that this, will do this, it for them? No, this one's for the trust fund hipsters, man. This is what it is. And for the uh, the guys who invented an app, sold it for a billion dollars, and now don't work anymore, they're going to buy this because they got nothing better to it's do. It's going to fail. It's like um, so many of these things, it's going to fail. Because well, for thirteen hundred dollars, you can buy the very best, uh, you know, version of the camera that I use when I go on vacation. It will take pictures that, admittedly, are better. <laughs> you know, and why, 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 why? Who are these people who keep coming up with these gadgets that nobody really needs? That's a really good question. More about society. Uh, <laughs> here's the here's the thing about it. I think that. Technology like this, many devices like this, they come out and they 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 get introduced in the world. They don't do very well, and then they go away, um, or they're around for a little while and they go away, or they but they introduce an interesting concept that gets later rolled into a device that's more comprehensive and more attainable. Sure. And so you're going to see the thing that strikes me about this is in the next couple of years, maybe t- five years tops, you're going to see phones that do this automatically. Automat- and they already do, to an extent, do this. Right. If you have a two-lens phone, like my camera has two lenses, it takes two pictures and then creates a, a false depth right. of field. So what's the, what's the thing that every time a new generation of phone comes out, what's the biggest thing they – the two biggest things they improve every time? The camera. And? Uh, the screen. And the what? And the screen. And the screen, yes. The camera and the screen. Those are the two biggest things. How you take the pictures and how the screen makes the pictures look. Those are the things that get in- improved – Every single time. And so in another five years of iPhones and Samsungs and uh, Windows phones, <laughs> just kidding, in another, in another five years of those Blackberries, um, we're going to have something in your pocket that you're already paying a premium for anyway. Why would you go out and you'd buy another device like that? Right. And not only that, but it is also shaped and sized pretty much exactly like a mobile phone. Yes. It's basically like it's, it's basically a, 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 a kind of a coolish maybe little camera just like now but now you got to carry this in addition to your phone, and, but it's still not as good as if you just went out and bought that little Canon that you have or the little Fuji that I have, which which are both cheaper you, by the way. You've got these guys who are probably like a software engineers who have another day job working for like Microsoft or or Apple or something, and this is their side hustle, and they were having lunch one day in the lavish company cafeteria thinking hey do you think we could get dumb dumb america to pay for a kickstarter to build think, this camera that we want do you think that sometimes i gotta believe that sometimes when people do this stuff that they're 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 like 
okay, can we get Dumb Dumb America? But I think also sometimes it's, okay, so here's this great idea we have for software integration with different lenses. So let's kickstart a program, get this thing built to prototype stage, and then get Microsoft to buy it. I think that's very likely. I mean, a lot of times it's not about the device being successful. You see a lot of big technology companies purchase much, much smaller companies because they come up with one line of software or one thing. For example, like um, Nick Software got bought by Google because they wanted Snapseed and what Snapseed could do. Right. And so uh, this is one of those things. It's like let's get something big enough and with a technology that's cool enough that somebody like Amazon or Google or Apple is going to look over and go, nope, now we're going to own that. Well – did did Nick did Nick have Snapfee before they were bought? Because I thought Google was Snapfee was Google's thing, and they what what they bought Nick for was that Nick had come up with the with the software that allowed you to have a point to pick a point on the picture and say just affect this area. No one else was doing that. That was the thing. Only Nick's software. I mean, you could use a pen, of course, and do it in Photoshop. But Nick's software that you had on your computer was such that you could go put a pen right here and make that circle just the size of the person's face and say, now I want to make adjustments to just what's inside that circle. And I think Google saw that and they were like, we want to put that in our Android editing photo editing software. So we're going to buy Nick just for that. And then, bam, they took that and everything else Nick did yeah, and they stuck Snapseed it into Snapseed. Was- Snapseed was created by Nick Software in 2011. Ah, see, I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's why Google, I believe, that's Google wanted certain technologies from Nick, but now they basically were like, we're not going to support it anymore, and now it's been purchased again, so it's still going to be around, or as we covered on the show a few weeks ago. But, um, yeah, so I think that's, uh, I think that's uh, pretty dumb. Well, last week, last week we had it, the pinhole lens. Yeah. We should make it a segment, like dumb... Dumb like photo stupid technology. things you do not need to buy. Right, and uh, and I would say that light camera, and they don't even care if you buy it. I'm pretty sure they don't even care. If you buy it. <laughs> like they just they just want something that that Apple is going to buy or Samsung is going to want to buy off of them. Hey, I got a, a piece of um, interesting news. Now, um, this is going to border on the political, and I want to preface by saying that this show has nothing to do with politics, and because some things that are affecting photographers might have to do with what's going on, we're only going to state things in the style of the alternative press, which is to say this is a thing that is actually happening. Okay. Uh, so, uh, the National Monument, this is on F-Stoppers, uh, National Monument Restructuring Puts Landscape Photography Treasures at Risk. And I know we have a lot of people who love to photograph at these places. The Grand Staircase National Monument, Bears Ears National Monument in Utah, and plenty of other places. There are a couple of things now that uh, protections will be removed from some of these places. And in addition to that, um, also the uh, rates to get into the national parks is going up. Um, unless something is done, unless more funding is, is discovered. Because, like, rather than, let's say, I think it's about $25 a carload to get into, like, Yosemite, mm-hmm. will be $70 oh. a carload per person. Oh. So, like, it's a huge hike. Okay, so we, so we don't want to get political, but can we please let the poor people go to the national monuments? Yeah, yeah. if you cut funding to national parks, they have to raise the prices. Okay. And so if you think about it, you bring a carload with – 10 people in it, $70 isn't that big of a deal, but you're talking about 70 bucks to take take your family in to go see, you know, Old Faithful is uh, pretty pretty rough for a lot of families. That's a lot of money to come up with. Um, anyway, so this story, this National Monument Restructuring is on F-Stoppers. We'll post it onto the Facebook page, but it basically says, 
Expected to be announced by President Trump on Monday in Salt Lake City. The proposed changes include splitting the Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument into three national monuments while shrinking the overall combined footprint from 1.9 million acres to 997,000 acres. The new three monuments would be called the Grand Staircase National Monument, the Kai Parowetz National Monument, and the Escalante Canyons National Monument, etc., etc., etc. So it's reducing the size of the area that is protected and then splitting it up into three separate national monuments. I read, so, uh, um, I read an interesting article recently that said that Instagram is also hurting a lot of uh, beautiful scenery national monuments as people go and they want to stand in the exact same spot and take the exact same picture that they've seen on Instagram of Horseshoe Bend, for example. Yeah. And so it's just getting trampled. Can you imagine how worn out that edge Exactly. Of, that, uh, that spot is completely worn out, which I find fascinating because if you've already seen that picture or have access to that picture, why do you need to take it yourself? That's a really good question. If that wasn't the case, nobody would photograph the, uh, the Cinderella's castle at Disney World. <laughs> um, but the, uh, the proposed changes are ultimately the result of federal and local government officials in Utah who have lobbied for the lands to be opened up to development. So basically, that's kind of where it's all coming from, um, which is a real, real bummer. Um, we have some of the, we have one of the most beautiful nations in the world, and the most varied geography, and some of the most incredible things that you can see. And I know that um, most of my photographers have a heart for conservation, and so I think that um, this is something we definitely need to keep an eye on and be vocal about. I'm not about taking any political side i'm more about what issue by issue is con- concerns me and the protection of these uh beautiful areas i think is really important um and so it's going to make it really hard to get into and do these things if, if we if we don't draw a line somewhere and say no these are these are areas that we want to uh that we want to protect so i know that a lot of us feel the same way about that and we're going to post that article for your education on the page but uh yeah i think this is a a, ter- a, a pretty uh, terrible precedent to start you know, opening up national monuments and, and these these preserves and these beautiful areas to uh, development and taking them away. I think that really sucks. And do you know what? But, do you know what president was the president largely responsible for our national park system? George Washington, Teddy Roosevelt. I was going to say Zachary Taylor. No, next. No, Teddy, Roosevelt. <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy William yes. Wallace. Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, Teddy Roosevelt was like that. Really, the greatest thing Teddy Roosevelt did was he created the national park system. And, and I'm pretty and, sure you don't know that much about Teddy Roosevelt then, because Teddy Roosevelt did lots of great stuff. He did, but that's the thing that he's he's that's considered like I think uh, Ken Burns did a documentary about it, basically saying that that was like his greatest idea. The long, most long lasting effect that he will have on our country is his devotion to protecting parts of of our country first for all the citizens. Yeah, instead of like from Purple Mountains Majesty and Amber Waves of Graham, it's going to be from Bed Bath and Beyond <laughs> to Whataburger all over McDonald's land. So, you know, we got to keep something somewhere nice. You know, this is why we can't have nice things, America. That's right. <laughs> this is why. We, this is why we can't have nice things. Um, yeah, so let's uh, let's just keep those nice. So you know, write a letter, repost, do whatever, uh, and uh, let's keep our national parks and national monuments protected, yo. Let's keep those things nice. Oh, hey, going back to what we were talking about a minute ago, by the way, as just an add-on to that with the printed. By the way, do you know Polaroid is suing Fujifilm because Fujifilm has copied its trademarked white border film. In other words, the Polaroid picture with the white border in the square. Yeah. Yeah, Fujifilm has released some film that will look like that, and Polaroid is suing them for it. Polaroid trademarked that. The square picture in the white border 
with a little bit more on the bottom, I guess, than the top. I don't know exactly what the trademark is, but it's a trademark, and you cannot produce those sorts of prints without paying Polaroid. Well, it looks like they're just going to have to pony up, I imagine. Well, I just think it's, I think it's interesting because Polaroid doesn't even do it anymore. Well, the, you know, the funny thing is I think that uh, uh, the Polaroid is one of those things that's become so mm. pervasive. No matter what kind of instant camera you're right. using, everybody's calling it a Polaroid. At what point does it become Xerox? Or Band-Aid. Yeah. Q-Tip. Kleenex. Google. Uh, no, Google still. They're protecting that one. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, you know, you, you, you Google it. Right. It's not, but, it, I mean, it's not like anybody uses Band-Aid, right? <laughs> like, no. so, I'm not sure so why it's there, there exactly. Yeah, it's like Bing is really I don't know. I think Google subsidizes Microsoft having Bing just so it, Google doesn't seem to have a monopoly. Although can you have a monopoly on search engines? I'm not really sure. No. In whatever. Science. <laughs> All right. Have you got anything else? We're about done here. Um Oh, uh well, I was hoping that I would get a phone call because last time when um Ellie was born and Julie was pregnant, I was recording a podcast when her water broke. That's so true. I was, hoping, I was hoping that maybe we could go, uh, you know, I would go today and do the podcast. It should be like a marathon. A we could just keep podcasting all day in hopes that it will finally trigger something. <laughs> when I was a kid, uh, probably, I was probably 17 or 18, a radio DJ locked himself in the booth at our local alternative radio station and played Mambo Number no. 5 for 12 hours. <laughs> by Lou Mega. And uh, I just thinking that maybe we could just host a, a, a sit-in podcast that we're just going to sit here and podcast until Julie calls me and tells me that she's ready to go to the hospital. I saw a picture online yesterday of a soccer player, and um, his last name was Mambo, and it was on the back of his jersey. And he Tell was, me he's number five. He was not number five. Ah, I, what what a missed opportunity that would have <laughs> to have him be Mambo number five. That that would have been so perfect, and and how could you miss that, right? I would have been like, I don't care, probably, who's, I don't care whose jersey number it is is retired. Mambo gets number five. When he was playing in Little League, his number was number five, and that song came out, and then it ruined it for him because yeah. number five was his dad's number and his granddad's number and his great granddad's number. It's been the number of the men who play soccer in their family for sixteen generations. It'd be great because every time he comes on the field, they play the song. Eh. Yeah, you know. Here comes Mambo number five in at left wing, or whatever they call the trumpet. Whatever they call them in what do they call what do they call them in soccer forwards, reverses. What, what, what do they call the positions in soccer? There's a center. There's a fullback. Is there a fullback? Yeah, yeah there's a fullback. You know, you know, I like is the wide receiver in That's soccer. Not in soccer. No. Nope, it's not that one. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I'm imagining that they have a kicker or two. I'm just left wing, right wing, or let, that's ooh, hockey. There's got to be. No, yeah, I think that's hockey. Yeah, you're. Wow. Okay. I'm gonna send you a link. I don't right know. Now. I've never under, I've never I've never understood in, in soccer. Also, I've never understood the icing call. That's always been it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know the position that I think is the most common in soccer? Laying on the ground, holding your knee. Yes, that's very common. <laughs> That's the most common position in soccer. It is. You're absolutely right about that. Uh, Holding your wow. knee and kind of rolling a little bit left and right. That's You've got the uh, goalkeeper, striker, midfielder, defensive midfielder, striker. back forward. You've got a few. Yeah, stri- that's the coolest yeah, sounding right? position, What's your position in any sport. Striker. I'm the striker. And yeah. at striker, Mambo number five. He comes out, you know. That'd be great. Tying it all together. 
<laughs> That'd be oh, wonderful. Boy. Now we're just stalling, hoping for a phone call. Yep, nothing. All right, so uh, if you want to uh, find out all the speaking engagements and all the stuff we've got coming up, just go to photobombpodcast.com, and you can see all the places Boo-Ray and I will be speaking, including Boo-Ray will be uh, speaking on the platform, giving his five-minute photography program, which I've seen, which is excellent, on the platform, standing room only, Imaging USA, Nashville, Tennessee, in January. That's going to be amazing. You do not want to miss that. That's going to be great. I, on the other hand, will be in London speaking to a much smaller crowd full of cynical Brits. It's going to be a really good time. Yeah, but well, you'll be See, in London. I have, yeah, it's cool. Like in January, great. Uh, I'm Whoa. excited. To yeah, go. hey, what's that like? Is it really cold? Uh, Do they get, they get snow, right? I've, I've, watched, know, I've watched Bridget Jones. It snows. You no, know, right? surprisingly, it's like Australia. Like their summer winter reversal. They are so not. It should be nice. Yeah. <laughs> and the toilets flush the other way. Um, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it very much, but there's a couple of things that concern me. One is that there's a lot of business stuff in my headshot class, and I'm, I'm going to run it by a couple of English friends of mine uh, to see how much of it translates. So to see, I have to adjust my program because, you know, things are just temperament by, by and large is a little bit different, and the approach to things is a little bit different. Like I'd love to see somebody go to England and teach a class on selling large wall portraits because like it, the, the, the number one thing that is universally hated by all of British society is vanity. It is the chief sin in, in England. It is the thing that – so to put a 40 or 60-inch portrait of yourself hanging in your living room, it would just be – I, I would just love to know who's teaching people to sell large right. portraits over there. I think that would be a real, real interesting class to watch. To watch a room full of like middle-aged to advanced-age veteran British photographers, where you have some like young, cute little photography husband and wife couple going, and this is how you sell a seventy-five-inch portrait. I'd like to. See, I just want to be in the room for that. So I want to make sure that translates. Also, the judging I've heard is fairly intense where the judges can address each other directly. So they'll look at you and be like, oh, really, Gary, how do you explain this? I, so that I'm, I would like to see. That's going to be intense. Yeah, I'm going to... Here, here. Bully. Here, here. Good Lord. You should wear, Good Lord. You, should, <laughs> you should wear a wig. Yeah. <laughs> Get a white powdered wig. Yes, like a barrister. <laughs> Like that would be so funny because I'll walk in, I'll play it yeah, totally like a straight. Robe and be a like, what the hell is he doing? And like, well, somebody told me judges in England wear wigs. <laughs> yes. That would be great. Oh, good idea. I'll I'll go ahead and get my barrister. Wig, Listen, no if you're going to Imaging USA, please come and see me at some point. I'll be speaking uh, Sunday morning. I'll be uh, teaching my five minute photography course in the demo room at eight or eight thirty somewhere around there. And then uh, Sunday afternoon, we're doing a special program all about imaging. Uh, competition, and I'll be hosting that as well. Uh, the night before the comp- the night before Saturday night, we'll be doing the uh, charity auction for PPA Charities, and I'll be hosting that. So come see me there. And then um, what else? Oh, I'll be uh, the voiceover guy for the Grand Imaging Awards. So come see the Grand Imaging Awards and, using that buttery uh, golden voice. Yes, and then we'll also be around doing live Facebook Live videos throughout the entire uh, Imaging USA event. So you need to go right now to PPA's page and to Imaging USA's page on. Facebook and subscribe because that way you will get a notification when we go live at the convention and you will be able to win prizes because we are working right now to get great prizes to give away on that broadcast. I will be watching you from England. 
Yes, you're not going to be there. I mean, you would have certainly been uh, a guest. I, mean, I certainly would have had you on the on the show, and then you're not going to no. be there. So now I've got to go find someone no. to replace you. But I will be at WPPI uh, judging and speaking, so that'll be fun. And uh, so I get to go to Vegas, and just booked that uh, the, our regular job yes. in Vegas. We're going and, back uh, to Vegas. We're going back to Vegas. The Babbitt Brothers in Vegas. <laughs> we are going back to I, Vegas. I'm pretty excited about going to Vegas. I think that uh, uh, because every year this company has a special musical guest yes. at the end. And when you and I were in Vegas, it was D. Snyder. This past year when their conference was in Orlando, it was uh, uh, Sammy Hagar. Sammy, Sammy Hagar. Wow. Yeah, so. I'm just wondering what other mostly washed up badass rock star is going to be there. I don't know. Uh, Sammy Hagar. I mean, you can't put D. Snyder and Sammy Hagar even in the same category. No, no, no. That's. I mean, that's like uh, filet mignon and Skittles. Yeah. But you know, it's like one's fun and tastes good, but the other one's a meal. It's like one time we had John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band, and the next time we had Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> you know, I think you can't really. Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters. That's right. Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters. I'm going to win that blue ribbon. All right. We've got to go. Don't forget to find us online. We are at photobombpodcast.com. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash photobombpodcast. You can also email us. Email us at questions at photobombpodcast.com. You can find me at burayperry.com. You can find Gary at hughesfioretti.com. Mm-hmm. We will see you back here next week. See you later. Mm-hmm.